Proverbs chapter two. We are all treasure hunters. We watched last night as the Super Bowl. How many Eagles fans in the house? That's not bad. Yeah, congratulations. Amazing story. Backup quarterback wins the Super Bowl. Studying for ministry, so I'm told, as I read as well. But we are all treasure hunters. Think about it. Think about your life. Whatever you treasure, whatever you desire the most, you work hard to achieve that end. You use your time, your talents, your energy, the number of hours in a day, you focus them toward a specific goal. You use your resources, you use your abilities to obtain what it is you treasure. What you treasure is what you wanna go after. What you wanna go after is what you spend your time, your talents, your hours, your resources doing. So think about your own life right now. You're a treasure hunter. What treasure are you hunting? Are you searching for pleasure? Would you fall in the category of a hedonist? Are you searching for a relationship? Are you searching for approval? Popularity? Acceptance from others? Fame in the eyes of man? Are you searching to beat that video game that you just can't get past that last level on? What are you spending your time, your efforts, your resources on? Success in God's eyes or perhaps the world's eyes. Material possessions. That new pair of shoes that you saw the other day at the mall that you just have to have. Is that what you're spending your efforts, your time on? Status or is it something else? You're a treasure hunter. Think about what your treasure is. It's important for us to know what we are treasuring, and it's important for us at certain times in life to look at how we're spending our time, our resources, our hours, our talents, our energies on what we're pursuing because that gives us an indication of what we are really treasuring. It's a reality check. It's a, a way for us to look in the mirror and say, what am I treasuring? And it's important to know and evaluate how we're using our resources because Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Proverbs chapter two treasure hunters. It addresses this. The text begins with several conditional statements that encourage us to pursue God's wisdom. And then it gives us the reasons why we should pursue God's wisdom. So the main idea of our text today is that we should pursue God's wisdom as our most valued treasure. We should pursue God's wisdom as our most valued treasure. The text today will give us the if statements as to how we do that, and then it's going to give us several different statements as to why we should do that. So what I hope to convince you of today, to reassure you of today, to reinforce in your minds today, is that for us as believers, as followers of Christ, we should pursue as our highest treasure, God's wisdom. And how do we go about doing that? Proverbs chapter 2, background to the text before we look at it, it's a single sentence consisting of 22 different verses. Those 22 different verses can be divided into two halves, one through 11 and then 12 through 22. In each of those halves, you have two stanzas of four verses and one stanza of three verses. So as you look at this in the Hebrew, in the original, you would notice that the stanzas in the first half begin with an olive. The stanzas in the second half begin with the 12th consonant of the Hebrew alphabet, alamed. So if you're looking at it in the original language, it breaks down pretty easily. You can see, here's the division. Here's how we're going to walk through this text. 
So we notice as we read the first four verses, as you look at it with me, you'll see this, that it has if statements in it, three of them. But the whole clause is really one big conditional statement. Verse five, we see a then. It starts giving us the reasons why we should pursue God's wisdom. We'll understand the fear of the Lord. We'll find the knowledge of God. We'll see that he is our shield and that he guards our way. So we should pursue God's wisdom because we will then know and understand God. This is how we learn more about God. And when we learn more about God is how we love God more. Are you a little bit apathetic in your walk with Christ? Study the word to learn more about God, which will cause your affections for God to grow. In verse nine, we see a second then statement. It's an indicator to us, an olive in the original Hebrew. Then we will understand righteousness, justice, equality, every good path. It'll come into our hearts. It'll be pleasing to our souls. So in other words, we should pursue God's wisdom because it will change us. Instead of our sinful nature, our sinful inclinations, wanting to rebel against God, we study God's word, we pursue God's wisdom so that then our hearts rejoice in it. It is refreshing and pleasing to our souls. The second half in verse 12 begins with delivered. We will be delivered from the perverse men characterized by their devious behavior and their perverse words. So we study God's wisdom because it delivers us from the devious, perverted men. In verse 16, the second stanza of the second half, it begins with, so you will be delivered. This time, it's the adulterous woman, the married woman, forgotten her covenant, forgotten the husband of her youth, and she has smooth words. You hear the speech again. And we should pursue God's wisdom because it delivers us from the seductive woman. And then the final set of three verses at the end offers us a reward or a punishment. And as we see this, we understand we should pursue God's wisdom because it promises reward instead of punishment. So this is what we're gonna do as we walk through this. Proverbs chapter two. Look with me on the screen as I read through these verses and then we'll walk through them. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, Raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasure. This is the first stanza. This is where we get our main idea. Pursue God's wisdom as our most valued treasure. You see the words clearly here in this. I'll highlight them for you. Treasure. And then down below, you seek it as hidden treasure. This is what we are to do. We look at the conditional statements here and you'll see the word if, again the word if, again the word if in verse four. And that makes this entire statement basically one conditional sentence, one conditional clause here. If you receive my words, and notice the different types of words here. We are supposed to receive. We are supposed to treasure up. We are supposed to make our ear attentive. We lean our ear into what the word is saying. We cup our hand to hear what God may be saying to us. We wanna seek wisdom, we wanna go after it. We incline our heart, our heart, the very fabric of our being, who we are. We reach out with our bodies, we bend our will and our soul to incline our heart to understanding. We call out, we use our voices through prayer, crying out to God, God, give us wisdom. James tells us that, Ask and pray and God will give you. And he gives generously. We use our voice to, to seek understanding as we raise it. And then look what it says. If you seek it like silver, 
or search for it as hidden treasure. Now notice something in this. Wisdom is not automatic. We were not born wise, not with godly wisdom. We were not born inclined to God's word. The text here talks about all these various words for us to seek this, and it never tells us of a time when we should stop seeking this. We, all of our lives, should be inclined to receive the words. As you go to class, as you listen, you can hear the instructor talk at the front of the room, you can have your professor up there, but unless you receive those words, unless you are attentive, unless you are bending your ear, unless you are trying to internalize the message that's coming from the professor, you're not gonna do well on the test. And God's word is the same unless we incline our ear to understand it. You say, okay, I've got my quiet time. I read my Bible for three minutes every day, no matter what. But do you read it with your ear inclined? Do you read it with your heart understood? Or do you read it with the clock right beside you so that you know when your time's up and your box has been checked? It's not a legalistic thing when we tell you have a personal relationship with Christ, have a quiet time every single day, meditate on the word, memorize the word. It's because of these reasons we tell you this, because you will then learn from the word and that word will create in your heart a pleasure and a devotion to God. And then you're gonna be excited about reading the word of God. And as you're inclined to to read the word of God more, you grow more and more passionate. Your affections are toward him and all the things you struggle with become less and less in your mind because you seek to please God. I can't emphasize to you enough how important it is to pursue God's wisdom as your most valued treasure. Look at what it says. It's the words. It's the commandments. That gives us wisdom and understanding. And then it gives us insight and understanding. Again, re words that are repetitious of one another. And then it tells us to seek it like silver, to seek it like hidden treasures. Noticing this, seeing all this, we have to recognize that our posture must be one of humility. I have to come to God's word and not say I'm sitting in judgment over God's word as to what I agree with or don't agree with, but I come to God's word and I recognize that God's word sits over me. I am under its authority, that it reads me more than I read it, that as I read the word of God, I come with a humility saying to God, God, I don't know everything I should. My heart is not inclined as it should. Give me this day what I need so that I can be inclined towards you. There's a humility that is required here. That humility is required for us to live a successful Christian life. And notice here also in this text, it teaches us what to treasure. What do we treasure? God's words, his commandments, his wisdom, his understanding, his insight. We see all of this. This is what we treasure. Insight here, as we look at insight, we first encounter it in Proverbs 1-2. You can see it there. We're first introduced to understanding right up here in the verse before it. And so we see these two words, insight and understanding, going together, one with the other. So in this text, just in the first four verses, I need to know who I am. I am somebody in need of wisdom and I must be humble about that. I need to know what I value. I value God's wisdom and I treasure it as my most supreme treasure. That means I must bend my entire being to God's word and my will so that I can submit myself to God's wisdom. So the application for this is easy. Read your Bible. Meditate on scripture. Memorize scripture. 
saturate yourself in God's word to the extent that you bleed scripture. People ask you questions and Bible verses come to mind and you begin thinking about answering them biblically. You say, okay, I've done that. I'm still struggling. Read. Read a systematic theology book that talks to you about scripture. Yes, I do think after you graduate from your theology classes, you should still read systematic theology books. In fact, I think that every person in this room is a theologian The question is, are you a good one or a bad one? Be a good one. Every faculty and staff member at Cedarville University is a theologian. It's just a question of whether they're a good one or a bad one. So be a good one. And I would say to faculty and staff in the room, if you haven't taken the Bible minor, I would encourage you and we'll make it possible for you to take Bible minor classes. You should at least dive in and learn from the great faculty we have in that area just to to learn more about God, to dig deeper. I see some of our chairs squirming right now wondering how they're going to figure out all the class schedules if we're all taking Bible minor classes. But wouldn't it be great to learn more about God, to love God more, to please God more here on this campus? It's what we're all about. Listen to the word of God. You can put it on an app on your phone. You can listen to it in the car. Saturate yourself with God's word. Be a theologian. Read deeply. Learn all that you can learn. All right, next set of four verses. We see a then. We'll highlight it right here in red. So it starts out with then. If, 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 conditional, then. Here's what happens. What's gonna happen if we seek God's word and treasure it? Look at what it says. You will understand the fear of the Lord. You will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge. We need to highlight that his mouth a lot. He stores up sound wisdom. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity. He is guarding our paths. He is watching over the way of his saints. Look at all of this. Fear the Lord. You remember this phrase? This phrase occurs in Proverbs 1-7. It occurs in other locations. It's the theme verse for this. Fear of the Lord is what we want. But look at what the repetition of that is. You will find the knowledge of God. Do you want to know God? How do you know God? Pursue his wisdom. How do you pursue his wisdom? Look at the next verse tells us, for the Lord gives wisdom. God's wisdom does not come from me. God's wisdom does not come from me getting together with other people and having a conversation. God's wisdom doesn't come from us as we think about things or talk about things or as we look out at the community and experience things. Experience does not drive the wisdom of God. God's word drives the wisdom of God. Knowledge comes from God. And if the Lord's the one that gives us wisdom, then we seek knowledge from him. How do we seek knowledge from him? It's from his mouth. His mouth is where his word has come from as though it is all God breathed. And we see this in the scripture so that if you wanna know about God, you want to understand the fear of the Lord, right here is where you find it. It's in the Word of God. Seek it in the Word of God. Study diligently. At some moments in time, read large chunks of God's Word. At other moments in time, read small passages and focus on each word. Dig deep into the Word of God. It doesn't come from us. It comes from Him. It comes from His Word. And then he says he stores up sound wisdom. Now, you may say, this doesn't apply to me right now. This this sermon should apply to everybody. But you may say that some of Proverbs just doesn't apply. So you store up sound wisdom. 
And then you find that the Lord is a shield. This is the smaller shield. It's not the full body shield. It's the smaller shield that you can deflect the darts of the evil one who comes. He's a shield to those who walk with integrity. And then he guards the path of justice, watching over the way of his saints. And here we see the word path. We're going to see this appear again. And we see the way. And we know that we've titled this series, The Way of Wisdom. So we see all of these things happening. And this word knowledge, as we talk about the word of God here, it's a knowledge that's an experiential knowledge. So this past week, I was spending some time with some supporters, uh, partners at the university. We were hanging out and we were doing some scuba diving. So I could tell you all about scuba diving. But if I give you all of the facts of scuba diving, you can't understand or know scuba diving till you've been under the water and taking your first breath through a regulator. You can't know what scuba diving is all about until you're 25 feet under the water and you can't go straight to the surface without experiencing damage to your body. You can't take out a regulator and talk because you don't have gills and you can't breathe in the water. You don't know about scuba diving till you've been under the water and, and you had to burp. And how do you do that with something in your mouth without spewing it out? You can't spew it out of your mouth because then you're going to suck in a whole bunch of water and then you're going to be in trouble. You can't understand scuba diving until, as happened to us this past week, you're looking at some coral, all of a sudden to understand that right underneath the coral lies a nurse shark. And you didn't notice the nurse shark that happens to be sleeping right underneath the coral until you were as close to the coral as I am to the speaker right here. At three feet away, it's amazing that under the water, when you're conserving oxygen, you can have an aerobic workout your heart begins to beat faster. And then you begin to take really deep breaths. And what happens when you're scuba diving? You take deep breaths. You get more air in your lungs. You get more air, you rise. And so it's a good thing because it gets you away from whatever you're scared of unless you want to get closer to it. And you begin to rise up and you recognize there's something there. But you can't know it unless you've done it. I can tell you all about God I can give you facts about God and you can have knowledge about the different things of God, but until you have personally walked with God, until you have personally gone through trials with God, until you have personally dug into his word for yourself, not listening or relying on anybody else as good as their intentions may be, but until you have gotten into God's word, until you have personally tasted and seen what you can get from the scriptures, until you have heard God speak to you, not in an audible voice, but in your mind just to, to confirm things, to read assure you to work in your life until you have done that you don't know what it's like to walk with the Lord don't leave this place without knowing what it's like to walk with the Lord your connection to the word your connection in walking with God is what will equip you for the rest of your life the next set of now three verses still in the first half Proverbs 2 9 through 11 here we see that we should pursue God's wisdom because it will change us we see here another then. All of the conditional ifs, we get the first reason, and then we turn to the second reason. What's the second reason? It's going to change us. Look at what happens here. Then you will understand. What are we going to understand? We're going to understand righteousness, justice, equity, every good path. Do you want to understand these things? Are you concerned about social justice? Are you concerned about how we can have equity in our society? Are you concerned about righteousness? If you pursue God's wisdom, biblical wisdom, God's way, then you can understand these things in a biblical way. Then you will understand. For wisdom will come into your heart. This is restated. And knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Think about these things. Wisdom coming into my heart. 
I won't speak for you. I don't know you. I know me. I, I have a strong dose of sin nature. I have a strong dose of a sinful will inclining me to do things either because I think they're funny or because I think they're devious or just because I want to. I, I, I don't get it. It's just my mind has always worked that way from a little boy doing practical jokes. Even till today, I see myself inclined in the wrong direction. And here, what happens if I treasure God's wisdom, if I seek it as my ultimate treasure, then it says his wisdom will come into my heart. That's a miracle in and of itself. It says that his knowledge will be pleasant to my soul. You'll no longer push back against the wisdom of God, but you'll seek it. You'll no longer push away and say, no, I don't want this. You'll dig deeper and you'll say, I want more of this. Look at what it says will happen here. Discretion will then watch over you. Understanding will guard you. You see the repetition here of the phrases again. This means we will be changed. Do you want to be changed? Do you want to be different? Do you want to be more like God? How can I be more like God? How can I do the things I want to do? It's in his word. I dig deep. I pursue God's wisdom as my most valued treasure. This is what we must do. It'll give us discretion. The word discretion there means choosing between two choices. Uh, do you want to have wisdom so that when two things come along, you know which way to go and what to do? This will give you discretion. Discretion will then allow you to choose between those two. We see in the next set, Proverbs 2, 12 through 15. Second half of Proverbs chapter 2 now. Begins with the word delivering. We'll highlight that word delivering here. Circle it in red. Delivered from men of perverted speech. You'll notice in the sex section, uh, we're going to be delivered again, but from the woman with the smooth words. The words give us an indication of what's taking place here. We see also the repetition of the way. You see the way here. You see paths. You see the way again. You see paths here again at the end. What are we being delivered from? We're being delivered from men who, who walk in ways of darkness, who forsake the uprightness, who rejoice in doing evil, who delight in the perverseness of evil. Their paths are crooked. They are devious in their ways. This is who we're being saved from. Do you want to know how to avoid those type things? Men of perverted speech. They may sit in high places. They may be very influential. As you graduate from here, you may go into companies where Men of perverted speech may call you into their circles, may want to share jokes or things with you that they shouldn't share. They may even want you to participate in those. The word perverted here means to turn upside down. To, to do this means an upheaval is taking place. You can see this in many different ways. You can see this in politics. You can see this in theology. You can see this in the workplace where you, you tell a little white lie. You use words, but you have a different meaning behind them so that you deceive somebody. Uh, you do it in politics with words that may mean something different so that you can attract people to want you. In theology, they do this too, and they call it doublespeak. You may use a conservative word. You may use a word, but then behind that word may be an entirely different meaning. You can do it in worship songs that are written so they're accessible to more people, pleasing to more people because they sing this and they don't think anything about the theology lying behind it. You can use it in books and different things as you talk about words that sound good to the ears, but then when you look at the details behind it, there's an entirely different meaning. Deceptiveness, upheaval, perverted words, crooked and devious in their ways. Why should you pursue God's wisdom why should you treasure God's wisdom as your most valued treasure? It will protect you from the perverted, devious, 
man. 16 through 19. Second set of four verses in the second half of our chapter for today. You see here, so you will be delivered. What are we delivered from this time? We're delivered from the forbidden woman. How do we know the forbidden woman? Well, she's married. She's off limits. And yet she has smooth words. She's described here as an adulteress. Look at what it says about her. She forsakes the companion of her youth. She forgets the covenant of her God. Look at the description here. This is a strong warning. So let me, let me preface this warning by saying that we know God forgives us of sin as far as the east is from the west. God can redeem us. There is grace offered. But as we offer grace, let's not overlook the strong warning that we have in this text. Let me offer the strong warning to you as beloved students who will one day more than likely be married. Don't have an affair on your spouse. Don't forget the covenant you've made before God. Don't forget the companion of your youth. Stay away from the smooth words. Stay away from this. Look at the warning here it gives us. It gives all of us, faculty, staff, students, her house sinks down to death. That's a strong warning. And her paths to the departed. None, none who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. These are strong words. And as these strong words may, may shock us or may cause hurt in those who have made mistakes in their past, to you, I, want, I don't want to lessen up or lighten the words that we see here in the text of Scripture. These are strong warnings to us not to do these things. And here, again, we see the words path. Uh, we see the word path again in verse 18. The repetition of the way that we choose. This woman, she's the forbidden woman. She has forsaken the companion of her youth. She has forsaken or forgotten the covenant of her God. So she is the married woman. She is the married woman that comes with these smooth, flattering words. Now guys, whenever somebody comes up to you with smooth, flattering words, look in the mirror. Because more often than not, these smooth, flattering words just simply aren't true. You're the best looking thing in the history of the world. Look at those biceps. You know you don't have biceps. You, you know this. You're like Popeye before the spinach, right? I mean, there's just nothing there, right? And yet somebody's giving you flattering words. Oh, he, he's just so strong. You go in the gym. You know you're not that strong. Oh, he's the smartest thing in the world. You haven't seen his GPA. All of these things come forward. And you see these flattering words. I'm talking about myself, not you guys. And, and all of these words come forward. And in your mind, what should you think? Should you think, yeah, that's right. Look at me. Or should you think, what does she want? Smooth, flattering words. What's she after? Is there a caution in your spirit? If you pursue God's wisdom above everything else, then you'll know she's married. She's off limits. These words are not innocent words. These words are devious words. These words are the smooth words. These smooth words that will take you down to death that you can't come back from. We should pursue God's word. 
because it will deliver us from the seductive woman who will destroy us. The final set of three verses in the second half of the stanza. Why should we pursue God's wisdom? Because it promises reward instead of punishment. Look at what it says here. So you will walk in the way. You will keep the paths. Look at what it says about the upright will inhabit the land. Take note of the land. And those with integrity will remain in it. In it, referring back to the land again. But look at what happens to the wicked. The wicked will be cut off from the land. And the treacherous will be rooted out of it. Here we see this land and we see it repeated and we wonder what is this land about and we know that from reading our Old Testament, the promises that are contained there in Deuteronomy and elsewhere about the land. We know that the word uprooted actually comes from Deuteronomy 28, 63, where it says when you go to the land to possess it, you will be cut off, you will be uprooted if you do not do the things that the Lord has described. So why should we pursue God's wisdom and treasure it? Because it promises us reward instead of punishment. The reward may not be a piece of land, but the reward will be all of God's promises to us. You have a difficult task. You and this generation have it even more difficult than me and my generation. The latest results from Barna's survey have come out. And only 4% of Generation Z actually has a biblical worldview. In fact, 13% of Generation Z would identify as atheists. So of this Generation Z, we'll do it in red here, 13%, that's a really ugly three, oh well. 13% would identify as atheist. That's up from 7%. What's the biggest problem in this? It's the problem of evil. That's the biggest reason that people are struggling. 4% has a biblical worldview. Proverbs 2 talks about seeking God's wisdom, learning understanding, knowing all of these things, developing a biblical worldview of the world. What are the questions that Barna asked? Here are his questions. Does God exist? Are you prepared to answer that question as you go out into the world? How did everything begin? Origins. What's wrong with the world? It's the problem of evil. It's us. It's our sin nature. It's Genesis 3. What's the ultimate solution? Jesus. Who am I? Where do I find my identity? Is my identity found in sexuality or is my identity found in something I do or is my identity found in the fact that I'm in Christ or not in Christ? Why am I here? What is my purpose? To glorify God by being a good steward of all that he's entrusted you. Am I living a good life? Morality, what's right and wrong? What happens after I die? Eternity, destiny. In these questions, these simple questions, only 4% have a biblical worldview in your generation. So again, I challenge you. Pursue God's wisdom as your most valued treasure. Pursue God's wisdom as your most valued treasure. Faculty and staff, I caution myself as I caution all of you. May we never think that we're too smart to submit ourselves humbly to the word of God. May we never think that we've read the book and we understand it all and so we don't need to keep reading it every single day. May we never grow prideful and arrogant in our own knowledge given to us as a gift by God to where we don't display the proper humility before the word of God to our students.
and to those we love and mentor. Cedarville, let's be a place that pursues God's wisdom as our most valued treasure so that we will always stand for the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God, we come before you today and we confess, I confess on behalf of us all that we are often not wise. We are wise in our own eyes, but not biblically wise, not with godly wisdom. So Lord, as our hearts wander, tether them to the cross and to your grace. Lord, help our minds to seek you first with humility, to treasure biblical wisdom, godly wisdom as our most valued treasure. Help us not to stray or wonder, but Lord, help us to always behold our God seated on the throne, giving glory and praise to you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are dismissed.